Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Murphy, and with me are my fellow fantastic, amazing co-hosts, Derek Prissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, I feel like I haven't given you enough love the last couple of weeks, so there you go. You've been gotten your quota for January, starting a new month. January? You know what? Bro, we're, what? We're January. I'm saying that I didn't give you as enough love last month, so now oh. I'm, I'm backpedaling and giving you all the appreciation that I should have given you before. Yeah, you just kind of like to just be like, um, yeah, Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy. Oh, by the way, the super awesome person that we're going to spend yeah. an hour to talking to. You don't need to, don't need to. I feel like like we haven't been like caught up or anything. How was like how was your Christmas, Dan? Like I haven't. I don't. I feel like we haven't yeah, actually had a conversation. Busy. Yeah. Um, is Christmas in a pandemic? You know. <laughs> yeah, we don't have, uh, to have to talk about Christmas here. This yeah. is far too past, but. Uh, no, my daughter's at that age where Christmas is exciting. Oh, so no, Dan, we don't have to talk about Christmas. That's great. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, no, we got, listen, guys, we got a lot to talk about because uh, we are actually recording on a Thursday night because so much stuff has kind of dropped in the last couple of weeks, or uh, even within this last week, and we're it right into it. With the dropout Still of the don't Dallas. Let's do talk after all this time, after all that, too, what you're saying, giving them the do. Stu, how are you today, man? I'm doing well. But Dan, if you'd like to continue, by all means. After the Dallas Jackals dropped out of MLR for the season, prolonging their debut to 2022, uh, the league had a little bit of uh, messing around to do with the schedule. And they released it uh, yesterday as of this recording. Um, Highlights of the schedule uh, the arrows now play every MLR team. Um, they were going to miss out on a couple, but with the realignment, we've got Houston, we've got the Guiltinis, which I know that DTH, when he was on our show, said that he was excited to play the arrows. So that, that'll be a fun game to watch. Um, their bye weeks have changed. Um, I actually like how the buys have changed for the arrows, going from uh, round one and round nine to round 10, and round 18. Um, Gentlemen, what's your favorite fixture you're looking forward to? Do you like how the buys kind of lined up for the arrows? How are we feeling about this new schedule? Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it they I think Major League Rugby did a great job with kind of what they had here. Um, obviously a team dropping out just a couple, you know, just a couple weeks out realistically from the start of the season, um, or I guess two months really, but like dropping out so close to the season and has to do a lot of reshuffling. Obviously the fact that the Jackals would have been the 13th team um, dropping that back to uh, 12 just simply meant like that's, you need like a full restructure um, like you like this. And which is kind of what we got the schedule, as far as the actual fixtures are concerned, look nowhere close to what the original schedule was. Um, I do kind of like that. You know, it's nice to sort of it's sort of nice to see that the um, they kind of went back to the, you know, 10 games against your conference, six games versus the opposite conference. Um, if you're going to like if the 12 team league is kind of the sweet spot for that. Um, so MLR fans, you kind of get to see a little bit of everybody again, provided you're actually allowed to go to a game. You can, you know, see a little bit of every team once again. Um I'm the, the one thing, like you mentioned there, Dan, the uh, the bye weeks for the arrows. I do kind of dig the round ten. I like that sort of like halfway through the season. That's a nice yeah. one. The interesting bye week, though, I feel was round eighteen, which will obviously be the week before the semifinal. And it, it I don't know if it's just kind of like you're just kind of like reading into it, right? Like, you know, they the previous like you can kind of looking at who got week 18 buys and it's like it's toronto and san diego so like it's kind of like <laughs> are big we... expectations for them yeah the exactly like, i don't know is that just like mlr being like ah here's some like fun like we're not doing first round buys in the playoffs anymore but um here we'll give the the I two teams that, that everybody way. anticipated to be in the final in 2020 you guys get week 18 buys um and yeah, so it, like that, I think it'll it should be fun. Um, favorite fixtures that you're looking forward to, Dan? Since you asked, it was like it's um, the just I guess based on what the schedule was last year or whatever the or the last the first rendition of what the schedule was. I guess 
you know, I could look at it and be like, it's cool to see the Giltinis and Houston as kind of new fixtures added. And then, you know, every, every other fixture, I think just kind of falls into place with, you know, the same hype and excitement that it was initially. Um, the one interesting thing though, is um, the game against San Diego being shifted back into like, um, what is it? Week 12. June um, 6th. Sorry. June 6th. June 6th. Yeah. So getting pushed back that far so it's like you know that was supposed to be we the week two matchup which would have been san diego's second game in toronto's season opener um and as we said like that that was the much anticipated like you know i guess odds on favorite to be the final in 2020 and we you know we never got to see that um we never even got to see if that is how the season would have played out but it was kind of the the early predictions. There were the two teams at the top of their conferences when COVID hit and canceled the season. And so I thought I think that was kind of like that was a really cool fixture to kind of have early on in the season, especially it being the Arrows' first game. And I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of looking at that, and it's like I wonder, you know, who knows how the season's going to play out. And it's like I kind of wonder if that game will kind of have the same spice to it being in like week twelve, right? So. You know, if it's kind of or if it will be even more hyped because we haven't seen this for a year and you're kind of also and, you know, 12 weeks into the season, we're still talking about that being like the MLR final preview. Um, so that'll be that. So I kind of think the placement of that game, I think, is an interesting twist. Overall, I think, you know, we can talk about we'll talk about the uh, the arrows going to Atlanta in a little bit and I'll kind of expand a little bit more on their uh, the way that their home and away fixtures are actually kind of lined up there. But um, I think, yeah, like I think overall I dig the schedule. I like what MLR was able to do with it. Um, it cannot be an easy task to completely redo a professional sport league schedule, um, basically on a moment's notice. And uh, they, they pulled it off and it's interesting. I mean, I, I like the, uh, I like the way they kept, like the two bye weeks and stuff in there, even though everyone's got reshuffled. I do kind of have one minor concern, but I'll let Stu lend his thoughts and then we can circle back and I'll see what you guys think about my, my one concern with the schedule. Thanks, Derek. Well, yeah, I think it's a fantastic job done by uh, MLR to get this uh, new schedule out because it could have very easily been just take the 2020 schedule, um, stick LA over where it says Colorado Raptors <laughs> and call it a day. Um, it's not really how scheduling works, though. It changes. No, but when, when you're pressed for time, then you've uh, got to put something out. Um, but I've actually checked a few of the, the games and like week replacements and things like that. And for the most part, a lot of teams that had home games at the start of the season, so especially in round three, I think it is, most of them still retain the home status. So they will still play home games and maybe against different uh, opposition. It, um, I think that week is all the games take place on April 3rd. So it's just a shuffle around of who's arriving from which airport at that point. So, you know, and I think that's a great benefit to um, all the teams that are hosting on those days. So they don't have to you know, say everything gets shuffled around. Of course, with Toronto, um, home games may not be the same as what we imagined in theory uh, with the news that they're going to Atlanta. Um, when it comes to games that I'm looking forward to, I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with obviously San Diego. I think I think we're still going to be hyped for that game because there's always the what if yeah, factor. Yeah, the, the matchups really haven't changed beyond like from an arrows perspective. Is you we get the LA Giltinis, which as you, DTH mentioned, that's something that yeah. he would have been hyped for. So I guess he gets that now, and we get to play the Pacific Pride or the Houston SaberCats. So, <laughs> um, but I think as well is that. You know, it's, there's still the whole thing of San Diego have never beaten Toronto. So I still think the hype is always going to be in place. And especially if San Diego, say, you know, have a bit of a rough patch or they lose a close game a few weeks earlier, they'll be looking to be like, right, no, this is the game that we have to focus for. This is our mini goal. Like, even if we were to finish bottom of the Western Conference, if we can beat Toronto, that'll be 
our scalp. Toronto, of course, have the same feelings towards Nola, but they get two chances to uh, have a go at them. Um, I'm also interested to move over to the Western Conference for a second and talk about the uh, Texan teams, because obviously there was meant to be three, and now we've uh, got the two that we had for 2020. Because um, I was really excited by seeing what would be the case with the Texas Cup. So the competition that is within MLR between the Texan teams, would it be a um, you know mini table between those three teams? Now it's just going to be uh, the home and away fixture between uh, Austin and Houston. And, you know, maybe uh, Houston are feeling a bit... Uh, bit annoyed that like, the team that hadn't won for a year and a half up until that point finally broke that duck against them and they'll be like, oh, okay, we want to get them back for that because they'll be playing, I believe, if my notes are correct, uh, in round three and then the reverse fixture in round 12, which will be the same week. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same day as Toronto versus San Diego. But a game that I'm really looking forward to as well um, is the top of the 2020 Eastern table clash between Toronto and DC. Because, you know, we've had uh, Doug Fraser on and, you know, we've seen from 2020, yes, they lost that game against Nola, but then they went on a four-match winning streak. And, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those what-ifs of had they been able to play the full season, would they be challenging for the shield in 2020 because you know they have a great lineup they've made some great signings over uh the past few months obviously they've lost tendai the beesome to wear so you know they're filling in for certain things but you know i think that's going to be a fixture that we can all look forward to and also it's in the summer and who doesn't love summer rugby I actually agree with Stu that that game I'm looking forward to. It's the July fourth, so you yeah. know that that that's kind of it's it's kind of sucks for Old Glory that they're not going to be having a home game. Um, but I mean, depending where we are, if we're in Atlanta, then let's let's see a, a you know a good game and and maybe um, the arrows can pull out a cool alternate Canada esque. You know, the Wolfpack did really cool Canada jersey, something like that. That would be really cool and. Uh, Old Glory can wear a you know, Star Spangled Banner jersey. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, that's, like, a, that's a jersey. jersey. Yeah. jersey. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I am looking forward to that game. They, they've got a little bit of Canadian flair on it. Like we've had, you know, Doug and, and Kieran Hearns on the team, and somebody that we're going to talk about later just joined the team. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that July 4th fixture as well. And also, it'll be near the end of the season. So if last season, you know is a, is a precursor to this season. It'll be a close matchup for what could be number one overall in the, in the conference. You said that you had a problem about the schedule. Now I'm curious about. Yeah. So my it's, it's, it's a little bit, I, I don't really think it's not a problem yet. Oh, or it's hopefully not going to be a problem at all, but kind of looking at the schedule. Right. And if you pull it up, like there's, there's, you know, some weekends won't well, have games on one day, Saturday or the Sunday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the schedule right now, it is 18 straight weeks of rugby. Your team gets two bye weeks mixed in there, but everyone's playing. There's games on all straight 18 of the weeks going leading up to the final on August 1st, which, you know, is probably locked into place just as like, you know, TV contracts or whatever business deals have to be you know, that were signed. So there's probably, you know, the few dates there that the league can't move away from. So in just though, like watching the way the sports world has kind of developed in the past couple months here, my only concern about the schedule is if you have to postpone games, when, where do you make them up? Right. And we kind of saw in 2019 when Austin was unable to travel to Toronto that you know they ended up having to play a makeup game and that game ended up being on a Thursday night and that resulted that was the week Austin happened to have a bye but that resulted in the Toronto Arrows playing a Sunday Thursday Sunday over so that's like an eight-day stretch where you play three games well and it's gonna be really hard for teams like the Arrows and San Diego who are not going to be based out of their their home 
their their typical home um, and and getting players to come in might be a little bit more difficult. Now the San Diego's got a little bit more flexibility because I think it's only like a three hour drive from San Diego to Las Vegas. But if the arrows have, have a situation like that occur where they play like, what was it? Three games in like 10 days in that 2019 yeah. stretch. Yeah. Yeah. How are they going to like, they got to make sure that they've got enough guys and, and no one's hurt because to have someone come in and depth, man, depth, depth is going to be depth will be a major factor. It's been a major factor in almost every sports competition so far. If um, I, so, what I'm saying is like huge. Yeah, it takes them a couple injuries the most and important thing in the league this year. It takes them a couple injuries and they're not going to be able to like. I don't know what the isolating rules are going to be like. They haven't really talked about that, but between you know yeah. Canadians coming into the U.S., it's we've only really heard about the opposite. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting. Let's kind of let's roll right into that. Um, the Toronto Arrows have announced that they are relocating to Atlanta to start the season. Uh, if you've listened to our podcast the last like four or five months, really since the season ended, we kind of were talking about what the Arrows, Arrows are going to do. And it really kind of started when we, when we heard that the Blue Jays wouldn't be able to play in Canada. Um, I myself did not think that they were going to be able to play in, in, in Canada. It just didn't seem like it was going to be possible. And, Lo and behold, uh, this decision has been made. Um, and I still have a lot of questions about it, for sure. I think that this was a good decision, and I, I would like to hear about how you guys feel about it. Um, partnering with, with, with Atlanta seems like a smart decision. Um, they will be isolating from an article uh, Neil Davidson wrote. Uh, they will be isolating in a hotel, and then they'll kind of make a decision after that where they're going to be. Um, so it sounds like they've got their, you know, the situation kind of settled, but... Um, a lot of big questions, and I think some of my questions come from the situation that just occurred over the weekend with the NWHL having to cancel uh, the end of the rest of their season. Well, and part of the problem, well, sorry, Derek, I'm going to give you a chance to speak in a second, but part of the problem why that broke down is the fact that they didn't have a hard bubble. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how hard is the Arrows bubble going to be when they're in Atlanta, and how do you guys feel about the move? Well, I think. You know, kind of, I'll get to like the arrows to Atlanta in a second, but I think like that's part of why, like seeing the NWHL and like their, I guess there, it wasn't really a good bubble or it wasn't even, no, like players were out, like out and about, it wasn't like, like shopping and stuff like that. And like, I don't know what the, the mask, the, you know, health and safety rules were like in Lake Placid. Uh, but you know, the States have a lot less stricter rules than Canada does. And I, it, it just kind of, imploded on himself and it was two weeks yeah i mean either way i think like in this past week so it's like they canceled their season the nll canceled their season um so they're not going to play until the uh, 2021 2022 season and i mean even if you so we're recording this thursday night so february 4th it's about what 6 37 o'clock right now um so it's like even in the nhl right now like the i think it's the the devils the sabers and the, the buffalo Ohio coach tested positive yeah they all they all can't play so it's like those games are all postponed for like a week they're gonna have to be made up at some point and that that's why like that's my only issue it's like yeah and i think to me right now that's the one thing that i would be waiting on from like a, the next mlr announcement is just kind of like what is the plan like what's you know what's are they even going to release a plan yeah like that, that that'll be an interesting that, thing that's to see as well. thing too but it's like i just you know from like that safe that player safety standpoint right what is the plan and then you know in the event of say a covid case appearing on a team like you know what happens games postponed that team can't play for a week or two what happens to their games in the schedule do you try to squeeze them in on like you know do you try to squeeze them in on like like that's the thing. It's like some of the, some of the weekends. I think there's only games on like the Saturday or only games on the Sunday or whatever. I'd have to take another look at it again. But it's like if you know, I mean, it's not like you could be like, yeah, well, I'll play the the Sunday because it's like, well, the team probably just played the day before, so you can't play back to back like that. So you're probably looking at a weekday kind of thing. But then you have to factor in stadium availability and everything too, right? And another, you know, and possibly you know flights and all that too. So that's the only thing. That's my only question concern about the schedules, just what happens. Cause it's like, I think we've seen with the other leagues, even like the NFL, 
like it might not be a matter of like what happens if you have to postpone a game. It's a matter of when it's games are going like, to get yeah, when, when we, we and need how to, many. to get comfortable with the idea that games are either going to be canceled or postponed. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. right. Which and that that's my only my only question with the schedule because it is on a bunch of weeks straight, and I understand that there's probably obligations of like they had to lock in certain dates for like the championship and stuff for sure. Um, and I mean honestly, too, like why like keep the optimistic attitude i suppose that that won't happen it won't be a thing that you have to worry about but realistically um it might be something that you got to worry about so i would be curious to know what the plan is um and i wonder if they like i wonder if something to that effect will be released um as far as just a little bit of clarity on that but that is my that's my only kind of concern with it the arrows to atlanta um i think makes a lot of sense um one eastern conference city um, so that's easy on travel for everybody in the Eastern conference, um, which is probably, which I mean, considering how much money and stuff teams are probably, you know, losing by not being able to play games or, you know, certain, I guess some teams can play in front of fans, depending on their local government's, um, rules and regulations. But, you know, I think, you know, travel is a big expense, um, for the league and for all the teams. So if you can kind of you know, kind of cut down on that a little bit. So keeping Toronto at the very least kind of on that East coast in the East makes tons of sense. Um, The arrows last season did stay in Atlanta between their game with the uh, rugby ATL and before flying out to Colorado to play the Raptors. So I, I wonder if that kind of fostered a little bit of like the goodwill and a little bit of that like positive relationship between the two clubs. And you know, it seems like, you know, from all the quotes coming from like Scott Lawrence and Mark Winokur, it seems like the two teams have a pretty decent like working relationship. So hopefully that kind of helped to make it happen. Um, you know, rugby ATL playing at Life University, there's obviously the access to gym facilities, the stadium. Um, so I think that works. It makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I still think, though, that the the arrows are still hopeful that they're going to be able to play home games at some point in Toronto. Again, whether or not that'd be in front of fans, who knows? Um, but they're still kind of hopeful that it will happen. Um, so, I mean, you know, who knows? It's, it's weird. It's weird looking at like other sports and stuff like the NHL is kind of going to have like that same, I wouldn't really say have that same issue, but at some point based on the fact that the NHL has that all Canadian division right now, but mm-hmm. at some point, someone's going to have to cross a border in the playoffs. So that, yeah, I, don't know. I, like, I wonder, I wonder like, if yeah, something's got to happen to let that happen at some point, someone's got to cross the border and to make the playoffs. So I know the NHL is doing the first, you know, the first two rounds of the playoffs are within your divisions. So that means it's the Canadian team is playing each other. And then, you know, at the end of the second round, like, the t- Canadian team will probably celebrate so hard for being able to have that ultimate bragging rights to the best team in Canada. But after that, someone's crossing, someone has to cross a border yes. at some point. I will say in order for that to happen. So maybe, maybe that opens a door for the MLR to be able to do it. I don't know. That's, I, I will that's say, complete speculation. I will say that. that it doesn't look good for the Blue Jays to start their season in Canada. Yeah, but the, the no, reports have said that the they, NHL, that... realistically, the NHL is in a super unique situation compared to all the other pro sports leagues in which they have seven teams in Canada. Um, so they're you need to, to you need to look more closer to this. Like, yeah, yeah. The, Raptors, the, but, but the, the Raptors, Raptors are the yeah. Blue Jays, really. Yeah, my my only my only thing is, it's like, you know, if if at some point you're going to let a hockey team cross the border, hey, maybe at some point you can let a rugby team cross. It's hopeful. Um, they have a lot more money than yeah, they the do. Rugby teams exactly. do. Um, but Stu, like, how do you how do you? It's th- hopeful. They're hoping to do it. It's hopeful. Yeah, it's hopeful. Well, in Atlanta to start, listen, it makes a ton of sense. We have we have had built Mr. Webb on the show, uh, and and we have uh, listened to him speak about hopefulness, and I'm going to stay pessimistic. I'm sorry. Uh, optimism. Optimism. Let's go. Optimism. I listen. I I am seeing how the government is rolling out this vaccine no. program. I am seeing I how think... cases are going in in the province. I am, and I, again, like you're right. Like it might not be there. Might not be fans there, so the vaccine thing might be not be a problem. But I think 
that if you look at how the government has made decisions on how things are opening and closing, it is going to have an factor, even if oh, there's no fans there. It's uh, of course. I mean, it's still the ongoing situation. It's like obviously they are going to Atlanta because you can't like you can't cross a border right now, and you probably shouldn't. So I mean, it makes perfect sense to go to Atlanta. Maybe um, all the arrows will get vaccinated while they're down in the states. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It just it makes sense. It's the way you have to do it. Uh, And I mean, I think everyone is in the same boat, too. Like, I would much rather see Toronto play all their home games in Atlanta than like not play or any of the other like drastically bad alternatives. So um, I think, though, the real question is, does the joke nickname become the Atlanta Arrows or Rugby T.O.R.? Like rugby tor Stu, Stu, how do you feel about all this how do you feel about his ridiculous uh suggestions for nickname uh you made a really cool little uh logo and you and you post on your social media how do you feel about this buddy because obviously we just kind of stated our opinions i'm curious to how you feel about all this moving and shuffling i think it's a decision that had to be made out of necessity if a vaccine rollout had maybe started say uh you know mid fall or mid autumn last year we would be in a better position now obviously that wasn't possible because i don't think the first vaccines were approved until december but it is what it is you just gotta make do with what you've got atlanta and georgia as a whole having been to georgia now a decade ago but you know it's still lovely it's uh beautiful place to be and obviously much warmer than now so i think that'll be uh, greatly appreciated by our team uh the team players from uh, the southern hemisphere who are used to warmer weather at this time of year um when it comes to a protocol in place because of covid and the bubble it has to be a hard bubble i think um i mean just look at what happened in the uk this week when josh adams uh, went to a gender reveal party. Oh now, boy, I forgot about that. And now he's been banned from playing for two weeks, which means he won't be able to play for Wales until the third round. Now, if I could just make a tangent, if it had been the birth of his I first f- I child, I feel like I feel like we're already on a tangent. But yes, okay. If it had been like the birth of his first child, you know, I get that. If it had been a grandparent's, you know, dying moments, again, understand completely. But Josh, a gender reveal party. Come on, man. Also like that, not all being, the things. Also, not being upfront about it either doesn't look good either. Yeah. It's... Like, if you, if you just said, listen, there's this party I really want to go to. I don't care if I'm going to suspend it. Maybe it would have been less time. But yeah, no, not. Uh... Well, I think, I think that's kind of the thing, too. It's like for all the MLR players, like, whatever the COVID rules are, please follow them. Like just actually, I'm th- I'm saying they have to be wanna. stricter. They have to be well, yeah. But and the, I mean, obviously, for the arrows, it's different because yeah. they can't just go home after a home yeah, game. Just... They have to go back to the hotel. But they have to be in a. They have to have the not only the facilities where they can you know house and possibly like cook meals or things like that. Um, but they also need to be able to have like the freedom to move around. Um, I'm not saying this will be similar to like a barbarian situation where they had a entire um, like banquet suite available for them to just, you know, mess around with. Um, But there needs to be, you know, boundaries in place of what you can and can't do in it. You know, you may even have to have uh, Mark Winneker being, you know, like the head teacher is like, I don't care what the rules say for Georgia in this team if you want to play you've got to follow these rules and they have to be you can't leave the hotel um outside of training periods you will have you know increased access to you know call family back home and we'll provide you with like the means to you know video call and things like that but if you want to play then you're going to have to stick to these things and if we find that you're breaking these things in the most serious case, we may even have to terminate your contract to play for the team because of such things. And then if that happens that's, and 
Let me put it to you this way. So, so the uh, uh, curling Canada is starting their bubble in a few weeks, in two weeks, I believe. And if you break protocol, like it's even to the point where you can't even hang out with your teammates outside of your hotel room. You get to spend, you're on the ice with them. Washington and then Capitals got uh, dinged for that. They got dinged. Well, yeah, Here, well, here's the penalty. Party. Yeah. If you break your COVID protocol, you are banned from participating in the sport for two years. Wow. And right. this is leading that up to the Olympic qualifiers. That is leading up to the Olympic qualifiers in the Olympics. That's that's harsh. Yeah. Curly. So, wow. That is. Yeah. They are taking that is this harsh. That's harsh, um, but it's hard. a serious situation. So and that's, 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 and that's, that's a little, thing. This that, that's a little much in place. Yeah. So that's, that's a little much. You, hey, I was just saying, you need to take, but that's the thing. They want to be able to say the players have to take it seriously because these are the ramifications. Yeah. If they don't, Wales probably also doesn't want Josh Adams out of their lineup for two years. Also correct. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's a while, man. Two years is a long years. time. Um, but I mean, but that's the thing. It, Wales don't have to qualify for the world cup. But Canada and the USA do, and Uruguay. Well, I mean, I'm not banning anybody for two years. I mean, geez, that's 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 extremely harsh. I, d- um, I don't think I don't think MLR dang. is in a position to be able to no. ban them from playing for like for the sport. But it could be a case where they're you know banned from MLR for a year, and you know, yeah, and yeah, obviously, no, I wouldn't even and obviously do that. Some, that's some still of these harsh. Players, that's that's still harsh. That's... Yeah, but like you I can, think, I think that you would could be shut down this. Guys, like would be. we we've seen how like look at like like the Ravens and the Broncos both just lost all their quarterbacks. Like, yeah. like they lost them. They just because of COVID. Huh? Because of one guy, one guy made a mistake. How how bad would it be if if one guy went out to a party and came practice the next day and got the entire pack shut oh, down? Yeah, no, it would be bad. No, that's what you have to. I say it should be. It should be. You're done. You're done for the season. That that one guy that they were able to stuff out. Anyways, we are. Uh, let's let's keep going, guys. Um, another. I also reloaded... still want the season to happen though, so we need players to like. Yeah. Um, follow the just follow the rules. Be, don't I mean, don't be a dickhead. Just yeah. There you go. The old All Blacks one. Don't be a dickhead. Just be safe. Let's you know hope, get as many games played as physically possible. Um, and you know, enjoy the 2021 MLR season to its fullest. So, another little bit of news that we got in the last uh, week and a half from the arrows is that they reloaded their home kit. Now, again, I was very um, passionate about this when we when we had our uh, our jersey uh, episode and we talked about all the new kits and stuff like that. I was very hard on the arrows for sticking with their their 2020 home kit um and i'm very happy to see that they either chose not to listen to me or chose to listen to me i'm not going to say that i influenced <laughs> their decision making but i'm very happy with what they ended up doing um again i didn't ask them i didn't i love what what uh Stu said the last time about you know um keeping things consistent for people uh in terms of you know trying to cost safe but at the end of the day you need to make sure that the, the product is the right fit for your fan base. You know, like the Montreal Canadians don't need to change their Jersey locks. They've got a beautiful Jersey. I don't think the arrows were there yet. And obviously a lot of people agreed and voiced their opinions and the arrows listen, which again, it just shows you how top rate of an organization they are. And it has a collar and it's got that, that nice kind of uh, uh, stripe in the middle. That's was there kind of with their away kit last year. So guys, how do we, how do you guys feel about it? Are you guys, as as uh, satisfied as I am, or or uh, or do you want more, or were, did did you think the other jersey was fine? How do you feel about it? Well, seeing as I bought what would have been the home jersey for the twenty twenty season that would have ca- that was intended to carry over as the home jersey for the twenty twenty one season, I'm I'm in like a bit of uh, two camps about this because one, love the collar, fantastic. I think it's great. Um, the white stripe, however, causes the main issue for me, which is that the Honda logo is now black. And I'm sure that corporate branding is in, it can only be black or it can only be white 
or possibly the red the Honda uses, but those are the only three choices they can have. And I just think the black Honda logo just it was it was breaks. blue last year. No, it was black. Was it not blue? I thought it was blue on the uh, the white kit. I thought the Honda logo was blue on the white kit. I'm, la- I'm about seventy five percent sure it was black. But anyway, with the current kit, with uh, this new kit, is I think that black logo and the whole white band um, kind of breaks. Personally, I would have preferred it similar to the kit that's behind. Dan at the moment, which coincidentally is the kid that I have, um, <laughs> is if it had been solid blue, the white Honda logo, and then just a white collar, I think that would have, that would have been fine for me. Obviously, I'm uh, not into sporting fashion or design or anything along those lines. But, you know, maybe maybe an idea for 2022 as a proper the, uh, the, guaranteed the, the... entire season in Toronto home kit. The kit had white. The Honda was white. Oh yeah, because the stripe kit. was blue. They had the blue stripe the over it. Blue. Right, right, right. It had the blue. That's what was that? The 2019, I think. It 20, was. The 2019 away kit had black because I I'm not going as well. Yeah. All right, but uh, well, either way, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm happy. I'm stoked with it. I think it looks great. Um, I'm happy with every kit that has a classic collar. I think every, every man. If I wonder if like other teams are kind of taking note of how popular the collars are, and then be nice to like kind of see them. That'd be that would be kind of a really cool like. Maybe like a global marketing thing for rugby, be like be the league that everybody has a classic old school collar in it. Maybe uh, that's the delay for LA is that they had yeah. a kit ready, but then they decided to put a collar. It looked on. it looked hot pink, a hot pink collar would be yeah. oh yeah. So nice. L- LA's LA's kit looks too good. And then they had, like they were afraid that like the internet would just collapse under its power when it was revealed. So they they let it go for like you know the public safety at that point. There you go. That's but smart. we will see oh. that away kit when they come to play the arrows this year. So in Atlanta. We'll yeah. see it on TV because they'll be in Atlanta for that one. Yeah. Um but um you know I guess um I do like actually I just kind of thought of it, you know, looking at um the schedule or whatever. Like it'd be kind of cool like if if you're able to go to games in Atlanta, which I think you are because I think they had games at like those like silver versus black like 404 games i think they had fans you can like if you can you can go see every team twice yeah like if you're a make a day out of it yeah but but even at that i mean you looking at that both toronto and atlanta are scheduled to play san diego at home you get to go like you can go see chris robshaw twice if you're in atlanta if you had the mind to do it um that's a bit of a tangent, though, kind of going back. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Well, let, let's keep this ball rolling then because we're going to quickly go through a couple things to end the, then the episode. A lot has been talked about at Glendale's Crossover Academy. Um, we're not going to get into too much detail about it, gentlemen, um, but I do have a couple questions for you. Um, and the first one is, is their time frame doing more bad than good? You know, this was something that that we, you know, we've got a chat that we kind of talk about here and there. And we, we went back and forth about it. Um, and we kind of came to the conclusion that, in essence, it's a good idea, but they're putting a really tough time frame for themselves. Like, four years before they, they want to be in the Pro 16, and they also want to have four or five guys on the World Cup roster as well. Like, yeah. That's a pretty, pretty tight timeline for you to take guys that have never played rugby before and put them, you know, onto the uh, two of the highest levels of rugby in the world. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand rugby towns mindset on this one at all. Um, I mean, on one hand, like a positive thing, I'm never going to like discourage people from introducing new people to the game of rugby. If guys want, like to the guys that are actually participating at the camp, I mean, like, honestly, best of luck to them. And I hope they like enjoy playing rugby. And at the very least, I hope they become fans of the sport for life. Um, you know, regardless of how far their athletic ability can actually take them to do this. Um, I don't like, I'm not the biggest fan of the whole like crossover athlete idea. I think, I think it takes a bit of like some special athletes to be able to like pull it off and do it well. Um, and I mean, we've got one on, on the arrows right now. Yeah. 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 It's, but I think, I think that's the way to go about it though, is like have them kind of like sprinkled throughout the teams, sprinkled throughout the league. 
um, in MLR anyways, as opposed to like building a full, like they're saying they're going to build a full team of dudes that played football, basketball, yeah. and wrestled that can be in the pro 14, 15, 16, whatever it is. Um, pro infinity. The, the pro something number um, or whatever it's going to be in four years. Um, but it's like they want to build a team of guy, a full squad. Like Mark Antonio Listen, left playing on the arrows. Derek, Does, stick, guys stick around to the question because you're starting to you're starting to peel off into what I was worried about. <laughs> we could talk about this for for a good hour. But it's I a podcast. That's what we're here for. We're supposed. I know, to but we've got it. a ton of other stuff we got to talk about. I'm keeping you in line. All right, all right, but like, okay. So the point the point of it being or whatever, it's like, yeah, I don't think, I I think it. I think that's the time frame in the way that they're speaking about it is what gets a lot of people to just kind of roll their eyes at the whole idea. For sure. Um, and like, I do genuinely think that I don't think crossover athletes is like the answer to Canada, USA's like issue. Like, I, I won't say issues, but I don't think it's like their answer to like player recruitment. Like, I don't think we're just going to start finding, I think the, like, I think the real, answer to like how we can improve both the Eagles and Canada is like what the MLR is kind of doing. Like you got to like the Academy set up and stuff. Like we were like talking like the arrows, the free jacks. It's like, they're building like Academy programs that go down into like, you know, like, you know, as like kids when they're like 13, 14 years old can like get somewhat involved in like some sort of like line to get up to the arrows, the free jacks, any of the other MLR teams that are also doing the exact same thing. Um, and, but like, I think that's what it is. It's like through like the MLR, like I think part of why you want it to be successful, why you want it to be on TV is so kids start seeing it and start being like, you know, when they're five or six years old being like, Hey mom and dad, I want to go play rugby. And I think that's what you need right it's like you need kids you need people that have been playing since they were like five yeah um because like in all honesty it's like that's what the countries that are good at rugby have right it's like the all blacks aren't recruiting guys that are like hey you couldn't make the new zealand basketball team when you're 24 like want to try being an all black Doesn't yeah but, but new zealand doesn't have a sports program like the ncaa yeah. in new zealand like no no think it's about, true think but about new all zealand, the others new zealand's also a country that's smaller than toronto and dominates a sport yeah or whatever so it's I'll, like uh, Stu. i'll get to you in just a second i just want to go off of what something derek just said and I agree with you. I think that the right method is putting these academy programs yeah. up. That being said, maybe this program being run by somebody else, I think there is a place for it. Like, you yes, you're right. People are sour about the Raptors leaving or like you. Have I think that they just like, don't have the best. You have an issue with like the coaches and stuff. I, yeah, I think that they're, they're accelerated time frame and what they want to accomplish. What I would like to see is an auxiliary auxiliary program of what they're running right now but instead of trying to make a team that goes to the pro pro 16 make it so that way it's a feeder system to the mlr teams or to the national team they they had like some confusing things about that though didn't they weren't they kind of like yeah like um like that, they don't necessarily want to do like i think that was the whole point like or like the like do they want anything to do with MLR? they said that, that they're, they're, they said that their big point out? about mlr is that they had too many domestic players in the league yeah, I know. That, like, that was their big uh, thing. And that was their yeah, big thing about when, when they split off from MLR in the first place. Yeah. I think that there is a place for a program like this. I just don't think that it's run I, by the right I also, people. I think, is it is it funny or ironic that they're like, there's too many domestic players in, uh, or too right. many foreign players in Major League Rugby. So we're going to make a team of all American players. And then go, go to a foreign league. Go become the, a team of entirely yeah. foreign players in another league. Um yeah, yeah. I, I don't it's it, it can I think it can be done well because I'm not saying I'm not saying you can't train crossover athletes to be rugby players. I'm just saying like I don't think like I mean if honestly I think looking at if one of these guys becomes an eagle, that's a rousing success for this program. Yeah, if like I, listen, there's guys like Jason Marshall. Them, yeah, if there's guys like can make the MLR, like that's even a success at that point. Like yeah, I, mean, I don't guys, I don't get how you like. It's just, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I'm also not going to like, 
you know, diminish like, hey, man, introduce people to rugby, get people interested in it. If guys want to try it and think they have the athletic ability to somehow make it, I mean, I'm not going to say don't try it, but like, yeah, yeah. I think the biggest issue is like the the ridiculous timelines and stuff that they're kind of putting on it. And then I think, I think there's a lot of people that were kind of left with a bad taste in their mouth with the way they left MLR too. And they probably deserve a little bit of that. And it's, uh, you know, you gotta, you're going to have to take that, that criticism with it. So, um, but I, I think Canada, USA, ultimately it's like this idea. I think that's the thing that annoys me sort of the most about it is it's like, especially in part of the way that they were talking was just like, these guys are just so athletic almost as like, yeah, if you're athletic, you can just learn rugby. And I think that's part of the, the point is it's like why you need people playing. Like we need to find a way to get kids playing earlier. Right. Cause it's like the, the one thing it's like, you can be the most athletic person in the world. Right. But it's like the one thing I think that's the absolute hardest thing to teach anybody who is learning a new sport for the first time, regardless of what that sport is, is just the game sense and like that rugby IQ, which is like, you can only pick up after like seeing it and playing it a bunch. Like we were talking to Jeff Hassler last week when he was explaining what he does when we were doing exactly what I was worried about. We're getting into the tangent. No, it's fine. It's a podcast. It's supposed to be tangents. Um, But it was like, what he was saying though, is like when he was defending a yellow card. It's like, he's like, he was talking about being able to identify what the off, what the offensive team was doing three to four phases before they try to do it. Right. And it's like, that's something that you can't just teach that. Okay. I guess you can teach it. You can coach counterpoint but counterpoint to what you're it saying. It takes a while to learn. It takes a while to learn that aspect of the game too. counterpoint. Jason Marshall started playing rugby in 2009 mm-hmm. after playing a little bit in high school. Right. He was the starting tight head prop in all four Canada's pool matches at the World Cup. He was a quarterback. And he's but at university. You also said and he started he, playing rugby in high school, right? Yeah, but high school rugby is different than playing in the World no, Cup. Which you and then he no, 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 wait, wait, wait. And then he went on to play for La Rochelle and also playing in the D uh the D uh Pro D2. So yeah. yes, you are right, but I think that we are over at we are underestimating the ability that some of these guys that are coming out like these are freaks that are coming out of college football and basketball programs i think that if you're put into an environment where your only job is to just learn rugby mm-hmm. for a year or however long it takes you can get into an mlr team and then you can then also get to the eagles if if you get the right athletes Oh, I'm not saying you can't do it. Like, obviously, there's guys that have done it, but I'm also like, it is also, I think, I think it's like, I still don't think it's like necessarily like the way to develop guys and stuff. Like, I mean, like, well, not that it's not the way to develop guys. I shouldn't say that. Obviously, you can do it. I mean, obviously, even like, you know, guys like, you know, Perry Baker, Carlin Isles and stuff too, right? Like they played other sports before playing rugby. And I mean, they're a huge reason why the United States Sevens team became so successful. Um, and they kind of learned that. that. Um, but I think, like, what's the average age of the guys that are in the crossover program? Like 21, 22. That's the average age? Okay, like I, and then I think the like there's a couple guys that are 25. Bad. That's yeah, not. But by bad. the time they want to yeah. be them playing in the pro 16, yeah. they'll be in They're their mid to late yeah. 20s. It's just that this is the issue I have is that, and somebody I believe on Reddit pointed out to this is that if they really cared about developing rugby players, what they should be doing is focusing on. Um, now they went really. They said 13 um, year olds. And that over six years, by the time they're 19, they will have not only the skills, but also hopefully the maturity to Mm. be called up to the national squad. I'd say, you know, that may be a bit too early. I'd say probably like 16 year olds so that they're in their like early 20s by the time they be playing. Um, I think it's also worth, you know, having somebody obviously not in the current climate. But when it is possible to travel freely again, you know, going to New Zealand, going to like the boys, um, New Zealand uh, 
school final and even just going to like the team that loses the final because they pretty much know at that point that their rugby journey could be over unless they're playing for like amateur and in the provincial competition and then say how would you like to sign this contract for five years uh come to colorado we will pay you board we will um pay you i think what they said in the article was fifteen hundred dollars a month um but their like i said their accommodation their meals are all covered and in five years you will be able to play for the eagles provided that you know you remain in the united states yeah but that's not a crossover athlete though that's them that's going out to finding a rugby player that's from a different country Exactly. That's a completely different method of doing that. that I think I think that's deducing that that's what should happen instead of what's I think on. you'd I think you probably get more successful results that way. Or probably. um see if they have a American grandparent or parent and if they'd like to what Canada's basically started doing now. Yeah, exactly. Like with Higgins yeah, and stuff Higgins. like that. Um at the same time, I like uh you said, Dan, we have uh a football player on the Arrow squad. Now, um, admittedly, he has been playing uh, rugby for, I believe, the last four, or been playing amateur rugby at least for the last four years. He's obviously came through the Pacific Pride program as well. Um, I I believe this whole, uh, or even all these articles, are just to get investors on board. Oh, yeah, and we talked about this again also on the chat. Like that, like it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's just bravado. It's look at our amazing program. Look what we're wanting to do. Even in the article, it talks about how they're looking for sponsors. They're obviously gesturing to try and get people to pay attention to them. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. I'm doing something cool. I mean, yeah, we've just devoted all this time on our podcast to talking about it. Hey, it's working. It's working. At the very least, they're getting people to talk. But I think what will probably happen if this does become a long-term program is that they don't, I don't think they'll get picked up by the Pro 16 because even though the Pro 16 wants money, the South African teams have ensured that will happen. Mm-hmm. The, um, I think what they will probably do is become a unattached academy team. So they will be able yeah. to be Love used it. in the same way as the Pacific Pride in the sense Love of it. if um, Rugby USA uh, wants like a warm-up game or like the ability to play a few like combine fixtures or things like that then you'll have these uh like the colorado exos come in and fill that role but no i do not see i do not i want them to prove me wrong i will you know uh eat humble pie if they do enter the pro 16 or if they somehow in 2027 win the rugby world cup (laughs) fine at this point in time i cannot see it happening like, like we said at the start, I think that's their biggest issue, just these ridiculous claims that, the they, can frame, like, that they can do things like join the Pro 14 or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, even even if, like, you can't, I don't think you can train guys that have, like you even said with your, your example of Marshall there, it's like he did play a little bit before deciding to make that transition and stuff. And it's like, I think you're taking guys that are completely brand new to the game and saying that they can compete at that level within four years is like it's again yeah a lot of it's just this bravado i mean hey there's there has been some like i mean jimmy graham didn't start playing football until like he was like 23 or 24 or something so there's a certain u.s hooker that did not start playing rugby until he was 20 and he is now the highest scoring hooker in test rugby history it's true that is true that's Um, Mighty, mighty joe did not start playing rugby like club rugby until like he's 19 20 years old so no it can yeah, be done hey, like you can start late and stuff it's just but it's like would like how much better would he have how been much better he, would he be if he started yeah, when he was 15 exactly. or how much better would he be if yeah. he started when he was five all right all right so here's what we're gonna do guys i'm gonna give you guys each a, a canadian signing to talk about and we're gonna start with you Stu. uh luke campbell is is going to old glory dc uh, he's the first former arrow to actually join another MLR club, which is a fun little stat for him to kind of hang on his wall. Um, what can old glory expect from him? You know, he, he's only played five games for the arrows. Um, but, you know, did score a try against Colorado in that thrashing 
in the penultimate week of the regular season. Um, you know, I think we can expect a workhorse. You know, I always feel like um, for guys in his position is that if they've had a quiet game, they've had a good game. In the fact that you're not, first of all, they're not picking up cards, always good for any player. But they're also, you know, they're doing the job, they're securing the penalties, and then they're letting the kicker come up and score the points or, you know, getting the possession that will lead to a line-out or doing, going through the phases. And, you know, that's what you need in... And that's what you'll get in someone like Luke Campbell. I think uh, I think uh, DC are going to be, like, very happy. I mean, they've already got two Canadians on the team that uh, I'm sure they're happy with already. So a third will uh, can only go in there. I think that I think DC will be uh, pretty happy once uh, the season starts and they can see firsthand what he can do. Now, uh, Derek, uh, Jake Ilnicki has also re-signed with Seattle. Um, how does Canada benefit with Sears Duru and Ilnicki playing together and kind of building the chemistry in the front row and it's, it's a very unique opportunity. And you know, we've kind of seen it with the arrows with Giuseppe uh, Detroit and Ben Lesage kind of building that chemistry together. It, is there a similar situation kind of building in Seattle with those two? I mean, like, I suppose like the more, the more you play with someone, the like more accustomed to their play style and everything that you do get. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, yeah, Seattle's got a good team and um, you know, their pack and, and the sea wall is a big part of what, they bring to their game so um i think yeah like it's it definitely is a benefit i don't think i mean i don't think it's any more benefit any more or less beneficial than any of the other combinations of teammates that are spread out throughout the league um because i think you know with uh the signing of luke campbell now we're up to like 33 i think it's 33 canadians um on the american mlr teams which i think is slightly more than the amount of canadians that are actually on the toronto arrows now at that point so everywhere has guys that are kind of playing yeah playing with we've got you. travis larson right. moving from old glory to san diego i think yeah. he's just trying to collect as many jerseys as he can <laughs> yeah hey, hey i mean look, there's uh there's always every league's always gotta have always has the one guy that's just like the suitcase that uh just year to year different teams um, so I mean, Hey, if that's, if that's going to be who you are, Hey man, you're still playing pro rugby. Yeah. Still playing. Yeah. Um, there's nothing, nothing wrong with it. Um, just yeah. Go to who, whatever team's going to pay you to play, man. That's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but yeah, I think serious do real Nikki. I mean, I, like, I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing what they can do in 20, in 2020 or 2021. What year is it? Oh my goodness, man. Time, <laughs> time is a fake construct now. That's what I've learned last year. Um, but it, it should be good. I think, um, like I said, I think, I don't know if, I don't think it builds any more or less chemistry than any of the other combination of teammates, but, um, I think maybe with their positions kind of, if you had a Canadian hooker mixed in there, that would be interesting. Um, kind of like the, with, I guess a couple of the formations that the arrows could technically go with if they chose. They used to have Barkwell before he retired. They did used to have Barkwell. Yeah, that's true. Excellent point. Then, then bringing up the facts on this now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see him back. I'm excited to see all the Canadians back. I mean, for sure. We're kind of like looking into this. I think like, I don't know. We, I don't think we talked about like Michael Smith going to San Diego too. So that's a UBC guy. Um, handful of like UBC guys, kind of like Frazier Hurst too, popping up in the league. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it is, it is, it's kind of cool to see. I think a lot of, you know, I think there was kind of like that some talk or like around the draft being like, you, if Canadian players aren't eligible for the draft, but then like, you know, how many guys could potentially go um, if they were eligible. And I think you're kind of seeing it like teams are showing a big interest in that, like, you know, Canadian university game, right. Because they're signing guys that played there. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think Ilaniki is just kind of, you know, going to be like one of those other guys that, you know, he's played at two World Cups already. He's going to be, I think he's, what, 28 years 28. old? Yeah, so 28 years old, you know, you're going to be at the very least, he's going to be 30 by the time the next World Cup rolls around. So, I mean, you're you're becoming one of, I guess, the veterans on the this seems to be trending younger Canada team. So Yeah, he uh, he's got experience in... New Zealand, Australia. He played in pro pro rugby. He played for the Saints. He played for the Falcons, Yorkshire Carnegie, and then finally made a home in Seattle. So 
he has been all over the place. Um, I'm excited. He's one of my favorite favorite players out uh, west. Um, all right, gentlemen. Well, that'll be it for tonight. Um, we uh, we have a lot of exciting guests coming up, leading up to the pre uh, to the preseason uh, training camps, and then leading to the season. So, um, thank you everyone for listening. If you want to listen to more of our previous interviews, go to Larue's Rugby on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and leave us a review on uh, any podcast or YouTube um, platforms that you can. So that way. Our, uh, our little podcast here gets a little bit more views and uh, guys, we're, we're getting closer. We're getting closer to the start of the season and it's pretty, pretty exciting. Real quick before we all go, anybody got some bold six nation predictions? Uh, Wales to finish fifth or better. I think uh, wow. I, that's actually, that's a bold claim. I think based on uh, what I've learned from Stu's Welsh opinions here, I'm surprised they didn't think they'd finish sixth or better, but um, I we'll think uh, I think Scotland's going to beat England. I think Scotland's going to beat England on Saturday. That's bold. I think France wins the whole thing. I'll take my. Uh, I'll go. That's I'll go bold. Through. I don't think that's bold. Yeah, I don't know if that's a bold one. I guess Italy's going to win a game for someone. This will be the year they're going to win a game. How about that? Italy will win. Italy beat England. That's a bold. Ooh, one. that's a very Italy bold. to win. And that's the also Nation. a fantastic prediction yeah. in the sense of it's fantastical it's not real so you know let's just go let's just go all out italy wins the six nations why not not? it's been a grand grand slam why not have the yeah grand slam yeah just steamrolls everybody well there you have it guys (laughs) 2021 grand slam winners will be italy